I'm listening to conversations that I'm having and I'm listening to what are the real issues and challenges that a lot of people face. And this has been planned, this topic has been planned for about a month. And I find that over the past couple of weeks, including today, I had two sessions with clients where we were talking about listen, I know that I need to take better care of myself. I know that I need to do things for my mental health, my physical health. And I also have a lot on my plate. I have a lot of things to do. I have roles, responsibilities. I have all these things piling up on my to-do list. So finding time for myself just feels impossible. And there just are not enough hours in the day. I hear that all the time. And the reality is that can be true. And I think for most people, that is true. People have way too much to do. They have way too much on their plate. They are overextending themselves. They are not practicing proper boundaries. They are saying yes to everything. It is just a lot. And earlier today, I actually posted on my Instagram, I posted like long form. I was like feeling real. I was like in my feelings. Um, But I was talking about, you know, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel burnt out, when we feel super stressed by the, the amount of stuff that we have to do, that's where we kind of like blame it on the stuff. But I'm a firm believer that there is more to that story. I'm a firm believer that our beliefs are really what drive our behaviors. So if we look at the overwhelmed to-do list, we look at the procrastination, we look at the missed deadlines, we look at the frustration of, you know, no one helping you or no one supporting you, that's all stemming from a belief. And the reality is we can kind of go through the back door to work on the burnout because what I see a lot of people do is they think when it's burnout to reduce their workload, to take a spa day, to, you know, do something self-care focused, which love that and love that for everyone. But I find that that creates more stress for people, especially for like high achieving women, for women who are like, I this is a lot for me. Like I can't really relax during my massage because I'm thinking about all the things that I should be doing or all the emails that I'm going to get once I come out of this massage. So it just creates more stress. It just adds the burnout. It's not really helpful for anyone. So today I'm going to use the example from today because I was meeting with a client and we were talking about all the things on her to-do list and all the things that she had to do. And she started saying things like, well, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. Um, and I had another client uh, yesterday who was basically saying, I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to do, but yet I still don't feel like I'm taking real time, quality time to take care of myself. And I see this so often and so much, and it's so external. It's so external. It's about this stuff. And so I'm inviting you to think about what's happening within And what is that belief that you're holding on to? And what is that thing that when you're given a choice to say no to something that you don't really want to do or say yes and just make it work? Or when you're given the chance to, you know, you know, say, yes, I'm going to go and do my morning walk. But then instead you check your emails and then you check one email and then you're stuck checking all of your emails. And by the time you look up, it's already 930 and you have to get to work and you've skipped your morning walk, right? That's what I'm thinking about. Like what happens in those moments? There's something that we know that we want to do. There's something that we know will support our mental health, our physical health. There's something that we know that we have said, I want to make this commitment to myself. 
So the, the, the ingredients are there, but then something happens and we choose a different path. And I say choose a different path, but for most of us, I think it just happens automatically because you are conditioned to put other people before you. You're conditioned to allow other people to, you know, be a priority in your life. And, you know, you, you can't, right? Like you can't be that priority, which I totally get. It happens, but it didn't just happen overnight. This is where it comes into like, conditioning from beliefs that we have. And I will be completely honest and completely open and say, one of the big things for me is like this need to prove that I'm strong, to prove that I'm capable. A few years ago, I accepted a position that I didn't really want to take, but I felt like I would be letting down some people if I said no. I felt like there was no one else who could really do it, even though I wasn't even fully qualified for it. It was going to create more stress in my life. But when it came down to it, I said yes. And deep down, I knew that I shouldn't have said yes. I knew that I didn't want to do it. I knew that it would be more stress on me. I knew that it was kind of taking advantage of my time. And I just actually wasn't even in a really good mental space, but I took it on anyway. And I tell you, it was a really, really stressful couple of months. And eventually I had to say no to that. But if I go back to that time, I think about, wow, I really like betray myself in a sense. I betray myself in order to prove that I could do it. I could, I could handle this other thing. And I really suffered and from it, literally, mentally, physically, like it really had an, an impact on me. And as I look back over my life, there have been many times when that has been the case. There have been many times when I should have just said no, where I should have just put myself first, where I should have protected my peace, protected my schedule, protected whatever it is I needed in that moment. And we live and we learn. Once you know better, you do better. And that's really where I am now. And it's been a great opportunity because now there are moments where I'm able to pause. I'm able to like, ask myself, like, do I really want to do this? Is this really worth it? And that just comes with practice. We'll talk more about that. I think that'll just be an ongoing theme, I believe, especially in the Nourish Life Society and our sessions and the resources that I'm creating for the society. But I do want to just kind of pinpoint onto the thing I said at the very beginning is where when we have a lot on our to-do list, a lot going on, we have a lot of things that are stressing us out, we're struggling with, the reality is all of that can be true, but how can we start to create more space and time in our calendars? Most people think it's all about time management and that if you're better at time management or if you are more productive or if you could get more done in the day, so that means maybe you sleep less or you skip through your lunch or you stay at work longer or you you know, after all the kids go to bed or what, you know, you do all your household duties and you stay for three more hours to get more work done. You're like, if I can do that, then I'll feel caught up. I will feel good. I will feel like I'm right where I need to be. That is so harmful for so many reasons, because the reality is you are trying to like biohack more energy, more time. And the reality is it's not a time issue. It's a priorities issue. 
So if you're finding yourself in that space of like struggling and feeling all that, chances are it's not about time. We have enough time. Let me be very clear. You have enough time to get everything done when you need to do it. The reality could be, and typically is in this situation, is that you are putting certain things as a priority that shouldn't be for many different reasons. And I guarantee if you just sit right now and just thought about it for a little bit, you'd be like, there are things right now on my plate that I have no business doing. There are things that are on my plate that I used to do, but I shouldn't be doing them anymore because of where you are in your career, where you are in your life, where you are just in the grand scheme of things. There are certain things right now that you should not be doing, but you're still doing them. Some of you have this belief that you are the only one who can do it and you're the only one who can do it like you can and you're the only one who can do it perfectly or best or most efficient or your way. And so you will not relinquish control. And some of you are afraid to let go of things because it's tied to your identity. And you're like, if I let go of this thing, then that means I'm not that person. Like, who am I? I remember when my grandmother was passing she was going through kind of transitioning. She had Alzheimer's and dementia, and it was really starting to deteriorate her. And at the last, I think, five months of her life, I actually moved to North Carolina to take care of her while my mom and my aunts and uncles could go to work during the day. I could work from home. So I really spent that time with her. And I remember I, I built my my schedule around it, and it really became my identity, being my grandmother's like helper, her supporter, her, the person who was like with her for many hours, every single day for about five months straight. And I remember when she passed, I felt this additional sadness of like not having a purpose anymore because I felt like I had such a purpose being able to support my grandmother. And then that was, that was no longer there. And so I grieved my grandmother and a relationship, but I also grieved the sense of purpose that I'd found through that experience. And I had to learn how to take that experience and realize that, you know, it's not my identity, but it was just a part of this relationship that we had. And it allowed me to get more peace about it. But that can be real and true for some people. The reality is, no matter what the reasoning is, it's not helpful for you. It's not helpful for you if you are overwhelmed, if you are stressed out, if you are resentful, if you are burned out, if you are at the point where you are physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually exhausted. It doesn't help you. So the idea is how do we create more space in your day and your calendar? Take some things off your plate but still ensure that you're honoring your priorities and honoring your commitments and honoring the things that really matter and are important to you. Well, I'm going to share with you a really, like, really great tool framework that I started working on and working with myself and then started working with my clients to help them take the clarity that they needed. Because what I found is if I say, well, you know, you just got to take some things off your plate, they would struggle because in their mind, everything deserved to be on their plate. And so if you say to take something off of it, they're just like, I can't. This is a great model and I can't wait to share it with you. So this is where you should get your pen and your paper out. Also, there is a kind of step-by-step framework that I did create in a like workbook type format. So you can get access to that as well. But ideally, what this idea is, the EDA model, and it's pretty simple. I talk about sometimes, but the first thing is E, eliminate. 
what can you eliminate off your plate? And like I said, when I ask people those questions, they get real funny because they're just like, I can't take anything off my plate. The reality is, yes, you can. The challenge is for you to sit down and really get clear on what are the things that no longer need to be on the plate. And that means like taking a fine tooth comb and like a magnifying glass and just looking through it and really asking yourself, like, does this really need to stay? So that's the first thing. The next is delegate. There are tasks that are on your plate that might be really important, but you don't need to be doing them. Someone else in your circle, someone else on your team, someone else in your family, someone else in your life can be doing these things and probably can do them better and quicker and more efficiently because that's in their wheelhouse or because that's what they have trained to do or that's what they um, are willing to do for their job. And so if we start to look at what's on our plate and think, what can I start to delegate, give to other people? What can that do? You know, what can I, what can I find? I was working with a woman and we, she was a leader at a financial institution. And she said, you know, I was so hesitant about it, but I started with one simple task. And what I found is that it was so empowering for that other person to take this task. And I saw how this person was like taking initiative and they were actually doing it differently than the way I would do it, but it was more efficient. And also it allowed me to learn something new from this more like junior person on my team. And so she started to look at other places that she could delegate to people. And what happened is she felt her team's productivity, the morale, she felt that the, the way that they showed up to work changed drastically because she was creating the conditions for her team to thrive. And here's the reality. When she started to get those things off of her plate, she had more time to work on the things that were more of a priority for her, for her job, things that she needed to do for her role that only she could do. So that's the benefit of delegation, but it comes at a cost. It comes at the cost of letting go and relinquishing control. That's the challenge. A lot of times we don't want to give up that control because we believe that only we can do it. We believe that we're the only ones who, who have the secret sauce to do it. And our identity, our worthiness is tied to our ability to do that thing. We got to figure out what can be delegated and get it off your plate immediately. The third is automate. And today I blew my client's mind where she was telling me that she was about to go to the library to do some research. And I pulled up chat GPT and I just asked her a few questions. I got a prompt and I shared my screen. I typed exactly what she was going to go to the library to look for. And she watched it in about five seconds, sources, articles, all these things that she was looking for to support her. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to start using ChatGPT right after this. This is the beauty of automation, right? So many people are afraid of automation. They're afraid of technology and software. The reality is when used for good, like anything, and for used to support your well-being and to create more space, it can be a real game changer. So I just saved my client three hours of her day-to-day. So what would take her three hours is probably going to take her about an hour because she's going to spend most of her time just reviewing all of the curated information that she got from having a really clean, a really great prompt for chat GPT to give her exactly what she was looking for instead of spending hours searching for it. This is a power of automation, allowing that to happen. Now, one thing she did say before I 
really showed her how you could use ChatGPT, we'd agreed that she would then delegate the search to a librarian. She goes, I don't know how to use ChatGPT, but I do know how to speak with a librarian. I said, perfect. Either way it works, but you're, you're clearing some things off your plate so you can use your creative power to focus on some of the other tasks that are tied to this project. And I told her, I was like, you are where you are in your career. You shouldn't be spending a lot of time researching. You, you've done a lot of research in your in your life. Now is the time for you to be in a space of creation, of creativity, of leading, of prioritizing, of delegating. And I think that really gave her the permission to know that she didn't have to do that thing and, and it wouldn't sacrifice the quality of what the bigger picture was. So that's just an example. But there are other things that I use to automate. I automate certain things like that I buy on Amazon. So I have them, you know, I've used in the past this subscription model of things where I have things being delivered. I don't have to think about getting things delivered. As I'm talking about this, I should probably start that back with like toothpaste and toilet paper and things like that. But it's just something to think about. That is a great way to just create more space. I talk about this a lot. When I travel, when I'm driving a lot or traveling to and from LA, something that I started to do was before I got to LA, like on my way to LA, I would order some grocery staples, my almond milk, my tart cherry juice, uh, a frozen Amy's flatbread pizza, some orange juice, um, some frozen fruit, some oatmeal, um, almond butter, just things that I know that I will need and things that if I don't go grocery shopping again, I have my basics where I could do oatmeal and a shake for breakfast. I get some bag salads and I have salads for lunch. I have some like ready to go things to make for dinner at night. I have some beverages that I can drink, right? That's the bare minimum, but sometimes that's all I need until it's time to go to the farmer's market and I can have more time to be like luxuriously looking around and, you know, just being there. So the reality is that $10 fee delivery fee from Whole Foods or Amazon Fresh, it's worth it to me because for me to fly or drive to LA and then have to go to the grocery store, go through the aisle, pick everything out, come back home, unpack it. I'm going to be exhausted, right? So $10 is worth me not having to do all of that. And that's how I justify it because it makes a difference because my hourly rate is not $10. <laughs> so let's just say I could come home straight off the plane, do a quick little refresh, and I could then use the two hours I would have spent shopping and unpacking and all that stuff. I could use it to have two client calls, which is significantly higher than $10 an hour, right? So that's how I look at it. There are certain things that you can use to automate things. On my Google or my Gmail, there's filters. You can use filters on Gmail to where if a certain, there are certain newsletters that I subscribe to, and I have a filter that if any of those newsletters come in, they automatically get put into a to-be-read folder. And on the weekends, I go to that folder and I read all the newsletters. I don't read them during my work week or like when I'm really busy. I might read them at night or if I'm in the bath or something like that, but I'm not going to read them when they're critical, like during my critical work hours, right? You can do that as well. There's some um, apps now that you can like that can unsubscribe you from bulk emails and junk emails and things like that. So you can start to get to that cleaner inbox. If you're like an inbox zero person, I'm not one of those people, but 
that's something else. Or if you have um, clients. So another thing that I've started to do is I have a filter for my clients. So whenever my clients email me, it goes straight to a folder that's like important colon clients. So when I start my email time, and I actually have a time of day when I actually go through my emails, that's one of the first boxes I go to is my client box to make sure that there's, you know, nothing pressing there. Those are just some things that I do to automate. And it's super easy. The Gmail is free. The Instacart grocery shopping, that's like $10. Um, but there's tons of apps and things available. Chat GPT, there's a free version. You can do that as well. But the reality is, is that there are many different ways that you can start looking at what's currently on your plate and just ask yourself, can I eliminate this, delegate this, or automate this? And if you're struggling, you don't know how to do it. Well, that's okay. But it first starts with the process. And just getting it done. So what I would recommend, there's kind of two kind of schools of thought. And depending on what type of person you are, and I'm going to share with you what I share with my clients, depending on what kind of person you are, there's one or two ways to do it. So the first, I actually do not have my day planner with me. But one option is to do a time audit. And that means for three days, every single hour on the hour, you're going to document everything that you did within that hour. So I did that this week just as a refresher. Sometimes I like to do it or if I'm starting a new project or if I've just kind of been in a funk lately and I just want to get back to like some type of normalcy, then I will track my time just to see how I'm spending my time. Now, the benefit of doing that for three days, you have to be super honest and like share everything. I'll take a picture and like post what like what Monday looked like because that was probably the the best day that I, I, I did a lot of stuff. And I felt the most productive and like, I felt really good with my work on Monday. Monday was like a really good work day for me. Um, but when you track everything that you've done, here's what happens. You get to see a bird's eye view of how you're spending your time. And then from there, you can start to identify what should be eliminated, what should be delegated, what should be automated. <laughs> Almost forgot my model, y'all. Um, also, it could be what, what tasks are supportive of my mental health or my physical health or supporting of my goals? What activities are sabotaging my mental health, my physical health, or my goals? One thing I say to my clients all the time is we're just collecting data. So if you collect that data, you have a really good idea and it's going to be really easy for you to start to kind of figure out what goes on what plate and kind of sort everything out. So that's one thing you could do a time audit and just go through everything. And then at the end of three days, you can look through it. I have a worksheet that actually can be really helpful on that. So if you want that worksheet, just let me know and I can get you the worksheet. If you're not in that kind of school of thought of like, it seems really tedious to write everything down because it kind of is, but there's a, a huge benefit because you get to see and you get real data. Um, and again, I, I do it like once a month or at least once a quarter, I'll say. But lately I've been doing it a lot more because my schedule and my life is just keeps changing. And so I'm trying to just like make sure that I'm honoring myself and like doing the things that I need to support myself. Um, and that's the goal of the nourished life, right? So that's one option. The other option is what you can do is you can do this exercise in about 30 minutes. You carve out 30 minutes. And this is that other worksheet I was talking about that actually breaks down step-by-step step how to do the EDA model. With that version, 
you're going to sit down, you're going to set a timer, and you're going to write down every single task, every single thing. You're going to look at your calendar, see what you're doing, look at your to-do list. And you're going to basically just have a, a huge list of everything that is on your plate right now. And it's going to feel super overwhelming, but we're going at a faster pace. So it's not that you'll get through it pretty quickly. Whereas a time audit takes a bit more time. For this model, you just dump everything on your plate. Everything is there. And then there are, you, you start to look and see, okay, what are things that I must do that only I can do that I must do? What are things that I could eliminate? What are things that I could delegate? What are things that I could automate? So you go through that process. Then the third step is I have a list of questions for each one. So I have some questions for eliminate. I have some questions for delegate and I have some questions for automate. These questions that I'm asking, it goes back to what I talked to the very beginning. And I'm starting to examine the beliefs that are tied to certain tasks because you have to go through each category, EDA, and you're gonna start looking at certain tasks and identifying certain tasks. This takes a little bit of just like honesty and time, but you're trying to get through it quickly. So you don't wanna think too much about it and get stuck and start to judge yourself or whatever, but it's just getting some clarity on like, oh my gosh, I do this task because I'm trying to prove to a version of myself that no longer cares about that person's approval, right? But somehow you get stuck in autopilot and conditioning and you still do it. So it's a very liberating process, but it is it goes a little bit deeper, a lot faster. So we go through each of those different things. Then from there, we you get to see what task you're willing to start to take off your plate. And you commit to that for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. And then from there, you start to see that you have more space. Why I love either model of it, either thought process of it. The reason why I love it so much is because eventually what happens is you start to get better at identifying when a new opportunity comes. Is this something that I want to do? Is this something I have the capability to do? Is this something that I have the skill set to do and to do it well without it creating more stress and strain on me? It's one thing to have a challenge that you want to work through that you know you're going to grow through it. But it's another thing to take on a challenge that's going to literally break you. That's not cute. Is it something that I feel like it's going to support my goals and support who I am? And, and is it something that really ties to my values? If that comes to you and it's yes to everything, and you're the only one who can do it, then do it. But if something comes to you and you're like, it doesn't really fit any of those five things. And also it can be a, like, it can be delegated. There's someone else who can do it, or there's an app or a tool or a software that can do it, or at least start that process. There've been many times I've been asked to do something recently. And I will say, no, I can't do it. Thank you for thinking of me. That's so great. I, I really wish I could. I just currently don't have the capacity for it. But let me give you a list of some recommendations of people I think that could be a great fit. I'm still helping solve their problem. I'm probably helping someone else who might be looking for work or someone who has a capacity and space to do that and super excited about it. And, you know, and I get to just not have to worry about it. <laughs> I have to deal with it because I have a lot going on, right? Or I'll say, you know what? Here's some good, you know, apps or a tool or something that I really love, or I can do what I did today with my client and to say, you know what? I can't really take, take it fully on, but let me just do a quick little chat GPT search for you and send that to you or send you a, a website or send you a link or something that can really support you with that. There we go. 
it's also easy. It's it's a great opportunity, again, to like give them a new tool, an opportunity or something else. But it's really about me protecting my peace and protecting my mental health and making sure that the things that I need to do for myself can get filled. Now, the bonus, if you go through the EDA model and you're able to remove some things on your plate, this is like the, the game changer. This is really where when I'm coaching someone that I have to hold them accountable to this. From there, we have to think about what do we want to do with the newfound time that you have found by eliminating these tasks off your plate? It does not mean you fill it with something else on your plate <laughs> that doesn't serve you. That's, you know, that, you know, that's going to just make you feel all the things that you felt before you did the process. Right. And so that's where I talk about, it's not just about time management. It's also about priority management. So it's also figuring out what things are really a priority and what things aren't. And the reality is you shouldn't be putting things that are not a priority on your plate, on your main plate. You can put things that are like not your priority on like the bread plate, but don't put it on your main plate because that is where you need your main focus, your main attention, your main connection to yourself and your values and your gifts and all those things. That's where that goes on the main plate, on the bread plate. That's where everything else can kind of go. And if you have the time, then you can get to that. But what I see a lot of people doing is tending to, to bread plate tasks and activities when they should be putting more time on main plate, entree plate activities and tasks. So that is a framework that I want to share with you. And if you are interested in learning more about the EDA model, if you want to get any of the two resources that I talked about, just reach out, let me know. Depending on where you're seeing this, I might be able to link them so you can access to it. But the reality is this is really of a, a real good asset and tool that you can use to support you as you're trying to figure out how to create more time. And more so how to reclaim your time so you can start to prioritize you and the process without feeling like you're letting, you know, the priorities and the roles, responsibilities and the commitments without letting people down in that sense. You're still honoring your commitments and priorities, but now you're upgrading them and elevating them. So you're really doing the, the things that really are a priority that really should be a commitment and learning how to let go of con that control of doing the things that really aren't serving you and could be eliminated, delegated or automated. But thank you so much. And hopefully you will use this and this will plant a seed to help you to start doing things to really support you, reclaim your time so you can prioritize yourself.